Well, we've just sung This is Amazing Grace and uh, for an encouragement for those of us who may be not as sharp in our memories as we were when we were younger uh, I was reading last night of John Newton that wrote the, uh, the well-known hymn Amazing Grace and at the end of his life he, he really was very forgetful and he said I can only remember two things one that I'm a great sinner and secondly that I have an exceedingly great saviour he breaks the power of cancelled sin I've sung that for decades not so much in recent decades because we don't sing it as frequently but you know I've always been a little fascinated by that he breaks the power of cancelled sin and I want us to perhaps explore around that thought a little more today I've got to get the hang of where I press buttons on here to move it forward anything happening no. No, perhaps you could uh, slip forward the next slide and then, uh, and then we move on into a reading from Romans and chapter 8, please. It's in the church Bibles on page 1134 or it's on the screens here. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus because... Through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do, because it was weakened by the flesh, God did by sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering. And so he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fully met in us who do not live according to the flesh but according to the spirit and then verses 10 and 11 but if Christ is in you then even though your body is subject to death because of sin the spirit gives life because of righteousness and if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his spirit who lives in you he breaks the power of cancelled sin freedom from guilt freedom from shame for everything we've done wrong or have had done wrong to us isn't that fantastic freedom from guilt, freedom from shame, freedom from consequences that are out of our control. We may believe it in our heads, but does it seem true in our lives? Listen again to what Paul says. Therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and of death no condemnation 
No need to live burdened by sense of guilt, haunted by things long past. The law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free. We could have the next slide, next part of the slide, please. Now, if you're looking in the church Bible, you would see a small little footnote, A, which says that in the original text, where it says it has set you free, that's a singular you. It really could be translated, and it is often translated, as has set me free. It's not just a sweeping generalization, we're all set free. Paul is homing in on you, and you, and me, and you. We have been personally set free. Free from the consequences of sin. Free from living as prisoners to guilt. I've got nothing to be ashamed of, you might say. But that doesn't take away haunting guilt. Perhaps I must have done something for that to have happened. How have we been set free? Not by our own actions, not by saying sorry over and over again, not by self-imposed penances. Our freedom has been achieved by God himself. Verse 3 says, for what God, for what the law was powerless to do because it was weakened by the flesh, God did. God did. By sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering. Freedom is what God has given us in sending Jesus to take our punishment. Now, sin as a concept is, of course, thoroughly out of fashion. Secular society tells us perhaps that we're essentially good. My behavior isn't bad. It's a consequence of my genes, of my upbringing, of our life experiences. We just need more self-esteem, the freedom to express ourselves. You shouldn't criticize or blame me. I couldn't help myself. God won't condemn me, surely. But contrast that with the Bible's diagnosis. Next slide, please. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Not just one or two of us that have been particularly bad. All, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We all fall short by God's standards. It's no good comparing myself with others and saying, well, at least I'm not as bad as she is or as he is. Sin is at the heart of the human condition. So why should we be surprised by the mess the world seems to be in or by the mess we so frequently make of our own lives and relationships? We all need to be set free. Thank you. We're going to continue now to sing again um, the song, He's Our Rescuer. Breaking the power of cancelled sin. 
that phrase, me too, has hit the headlines through the last year. We may not talk of sin very much in the 21st century, but claims of historical abuse seem to hit the headlines almost every week. Even before the Me Too movement, of course, there was the Jimmy Savile scandal and the media witch hunt for others who'd taken advantage of their celebrity status to exploit and assault the vulnerable. But it's not just film stars and celebrities. It's ordinary men and women, young and old, that have been both perpetrators and victims. It's family grievances. It's broken friendships. It's suppressed guilty memories. It's me too. Real or even imagined hurts from the past. Emotional, physical, mental can linger on to haunt people, haunt people that may be you know, sitting alongside you today, maybe haunting you. Unresolved guilt, perhaps, for those actions that we might have done that has caused hurt to others, or that others have done that have caused hurt to us. He breaks the power of cancelled sin. Surely, if sin has been forgiven, that's the end of the matter. This is what Paul writes to the Colossians. Colossians chapter 2, and this is a translation called The Message. When you were stuck in your sin-dead life, you were incapable of responding to God. God brought you alive, right along with Christ. Think of it. All sins forgiven. The slate wiped clean. That old arrest warrant cancelled. Nailed to Christ's cross. The slate wiped clean. The picture is of an accountant chalking up a list of debts. And the total gets higher and higher and higher. There's no way that they can be repaid. And then he takes a cloth and wipes the slate clean. They're not just marked paid. They're rubbed out as though they never were. And that's what God wants to do in our lives. Not just to pay the price for our sins, which he has done on the cross but to wipe them out as though they'd never been. We no longer need to revisit those failures in our lives. Don't underestimate the power of cancelled sin, but rejoice that Christ breaks the power of those guilt trips to bind us. Do you know what the most common command in the Bible is? It's fear not. Fear not. So often we are bound by fear. We need to be ready to move on. Just as spiritually destructive as sin itself can be, the failure to move on. To move on from memories. To move on from guilt. 
I've got this picture of a prisoner standing in a cell. I should have. He's looking out of the window at the freedom outside. It's a picture of misery. But the cell door has been opened. He's been pardoned. All he's got to do is turn around and see the open door. Walk out to freedom. Perhaps there are some of us that need to turn around and see the open door and walk to freedom. Again, writing to the Colossians. I'm I'm struggling with this. (laughs) Better leave it alone, I think. Paul writes... Once you were alienated from God, were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior, but now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. Is that phrase free from accusation? that can encourage us in dying on the cross Christ paid the penalty for our sins but perhaps sometimes we need to be reminded also that he's done it so that we can be free from accusation we're going to break again and sing again this time what can wash away my sin nothing but the blood of Jesus phrase of that verse that we sang in oh for a thousand tongues to sing he breaks the power of cancelled sin he sets the prisoner free the bible relates how David king of Israel committed adultery with Bathsheba and to avoid discovery he arranged for her husband to be put in the front line of the battle for the stronghold of Rabbah, where David knew that he was certain to be killed. And in God's eyes, it was nothing less than murder. David thought that he'd successfully covered up his actions. But the prophet Nathan confronted David with God's perspective. And in Psalm 51... David speaks of his haunting guilt, but also of his restoration by a gracious, loving God. Psalm 51, it's on page 574 in the church Bibles and on the screen. Verses 1 to 4, have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion. Blot out my transgressions. Wash away all my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is always before me. Against you, you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. So you are right in your verdict and justified when you judge. And then verses 10 to 12. 
Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. David was very conscious of his guilt, but was able to affirm that he'd been restored by the mercy of a loving, gracious God. Now later, as he was being pursued by forces led by his own son, Absalom, he was having a lot of accusations thrown at him. And you might think they would have kept him up at night. Those voices he might hear, you're a sham, David. You've been a lousy king. You call yourself a good man? Look at what you've done. Remember what you did with Bathsheba. Even your own son hates you. And yet David, he could write in Psalm 4, In peace I will both lie down and sleep. For you alone, Lord, make me dwell in safety. Psalm 4 verse 8. In peace I will both lie down and sleep. This is a peace which passes understanding when we know that in Christ's death on the cross, he's not only paid the penalty for our sin, but has broken the power of cancelled sin. God wants each one of us to know freedom from accusation. New life the dead receive. Returning to Romans chapter 8, verses 14 to 16. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit you received does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Adoption. It's, uh, it's something which uh, is well known in the fellowship here, of course. Adoption marks a new beginning. An affluent Roman citizen in Paul's day might adopt a young boy. In fact, girls were very rarely adopted, but might adopt a young boy and often a slave to become a son. Adoption was a public act before witnesses. There were no social services, but there were witnesses that had to witness the adoption procedure. And it acknowledged the end to an old life and the beginning of a new one. The new son's life was completely and irrevocably changed. He had new status, new security, new responsibilities and duties, a new family and an inheritance. In fact, you could disinherit a natural son, but you could never disinherit an adopted one. In fact, if you think back to Paul's talk last Sunday when he talked about uh, taking a child away on a special trip but leaving 
adopted one behind because they'd been bad. You couldn't do that in Roman times. It had to be the other way around. You could leave your own son behind if they'd uh, misbehaved. But you couldn't. You couldn't reject the adopted son. Paul uses this image of adoption to encourage us. We have new security. A new family. We have new responsibilities and duties as the Father commissions us. And we have a new inheritance. Our old lives are over. We have a new beginning. We can never be forgotten, discarded, rejected because we have been adopted. It's irrevocable. There's nothing we can do that will change it. You are a child of God. God loves us, as we were told by Paul last week, not because we're good, but because we're his. God is our father. We don't just believe in him, we belong to him. In David's case, repentance led to restoration and it led to joy. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. David's sin had led to misery, but he prayed that his repentance would lead to a restoration of joy. Satan seeks to mislead us into believing that sin leads to pleasure and repentance to misery. But in fact, the opposite's true. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. We can be absolutely persuaded that God loves other people and that his love for them is unfailing. But where we might struggle is in believing he feels that way about me. His love is unfailing and irrevocable. He loves me and he loves you. Love that doesn't change. Love that doesn't fail. Love that cannot be undone by our actions. Because God's love for me isn't based upon my actions, but upon his upon his goodness, upon what Christ has done for us on the cross. He doesn't withdraw his love when I fail. He breaks the power of cancelled sin. He wants to set us free. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free, has set me free from the law of sin and death. Let's pray. Lord God, we want to thank you that there is no condemnation for those of us who have put our trust in Christ and have moved from death into life. We thank you that sin has no lasting power over us. 
that you have cancelled not just the penalty of sin, but the power of sin. We pray for those that are still feeling haunted by things that have been done in the past, things done by them, things done to them. Pray for those feeling failures because of lives today that are experiencing problems. And we pray that for each one of us, we might know this confident assurance that you have set me free. We ask it for your name's sake. Amen.